3: Coming up on episode 297 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Subaru Impreza RS and Crosstrek, uh, the BMW X7 M60i, the Chrysler Pacifica, Ram Rebel, Jeep Grand Wagoneer, uh, an electric Corvette from 1994, the new Chevy Trax, an Acura NSX trailer, next-gen Mini E, and is it the end of the line for Lordstown? All that and more coming up next this is episode 297 of wheel bearings i'm sam mcgall Samit from Guidehouse insights
2: and i'm nicole wakeland from car talk which i'm answering really quickly because a listener had an issue that i take too long to decide which to say car talk there you go <laughs> and i'm tanya gazdick from
4: media post and i freelance for wards auto
3: all right and robbie uh is uh out today because uh he he and one of his bands had to play a gig at a wedding last night in i think yosemite and uh so he wanted a little extra time to get home so um we've got tanya filling in uh and and tanya and nicole get to gang up on me this week
2: we do it's always two guys and me and i'm like yeah it's the ladies today go tanya go nicole
3: (laughs) (laughs) all right Nicole, what have you been driving?
2: I have been driving a lot of stuff I can't talk about yet. And then some stuff I can't talk about. So I'm going to tell you about the 2024 Super Impreza RS. Um, So it's the fanciest of the Imprezas, or maybe not the fanciest, I guess just... Is,
3: Is that a relative... Description, you know, isn't fancy Fanciest, as in Impreza's yes. go? It's,
2: <laughs> it's a fancy Ford Impreza. Yes, how's <laughs> that? Um so it's actually I guess not fancy, but the sportiest. So this is new to the 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 um Impreza is all new this year. So whole vehicle completely redesigned. The RS is also new to this lineup. Like they've had RSs before, but it's the first time it's added to the Impreza. So what is this is their sportier, more powerful trim. It looks the part and it drives the part because it actually does have a more powerful version. It still has a 2.5 liter four cylinder, but regular Impreza, 152 horsepower, 145 pound feet of torque. RS 182 horsepower, 178 pound feet. So there is a jump. It's not just like we made it look purdy and we said it was sporty. Nope, they actually gave it a bit more power, uh, which is nice. So they also did other things like there's 18 inch wheels that are exclusive to this. There is a whole bunch of sort of appearance stuff that also makes it look the part, which I think is great. Like it adds on, um, like the seats are sort of, they have sort of red along the both bolstering and there's sort of a red and black, diamondy kind of triangle pattern on the upholstery they call it rs cloth upholstery rs interior trim the floor mats get a logo um you know it it just it looks like something a little sportier and a little more fun inside and it comes standard with the all-weather package which new englander two stage heated front seats Heated side mirrors. Thank you very much. I'm in. Like, I might turn them on this morning. It's only 58 degrees here. So it's
3: oh, could... t-shirt weather.
2: I, it, it practically is. I mean, you'd be riding with the top down right now, right, Sam, on the Miata?
3: I, I, I did on Friday when I went to uh, uh, a Ford event.
2: See? So yeah, so it so it looks the part, which I think, I actually that's important to me. If I buy a car that's the sportier version that has more power or they've done something, they've improved the suspension, they've changed something to make it supposedly sportier, I want it to drive that way for real and I want it to look that way for real. I want it to look the part and it definitely looks the part. Um, it's a little five-door hatchback. It's not a huge vehicle, uh, but it's Comfy. It's surprisingly, even though it's a sportier version of a little hatchback of a hot little hatch kind of thing, it's not so, it's not harsh. I mean, we have terrible roads in the Northeast, like established fact, same thing in Michigan. You guys, we have matching crummy roads. <laughs> and if you have a sporty car, a car that has a lot of power that has a little bit of a stiffer um, suspension system to it. It's great when you take it on the highway, but it can be harsh when you're just driving on side roads, which is where a lot of the driving happens for me. This wasn't harsh, and I appreciated that, um, but does have great power. When you when you mash the gas to get on the highway, it'll squish you back in your seat a little bit. You'll get that little squish. Um, it And it sounds, it has a CVT, which isn't always... My set of a CVT. It does. Doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. I think, I think
3: also, yeah, it's like, aside from a few that still offer manuals. Yeah. I think
2: it's, and I think it has a, um, I say that and now suddenly I'm like, wait, am I mixing up my vehicles from other vehicles? Yeah. As an, it has a CVT, but it has a manual mode. If you want to kind of take control of it yourself, which like, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Like, I I appreciate the thought, like, we're going to give you a manual mode. I'm like, nah. if you don't give me the pedals to match, I kind of don't want it.
3: It's yeah. Bad. I mean, most automakers offer that with their CVTs. All it is is, you know, a set of pre-programmed ratios that it steps between, right. you know, and you can, you know, some, does it have paddle shifters or do you have to tap the, the shift lever?
2: I'm drawing a blank. All I can think of is the Alfa Romeo that I was in on yesterday <laughs> when I flew back. I'm drawing a blank whether it had paddle shifters. But either yeah,
3: way. I, I I doubt the Impreza has paddles. Yeah.
2: Um, so e- either way, it's like I I don't feel like I ever use like the manual mode on those. I just. Yeah,
3: I mean, it, it doesn't cost a manufacturer anything to to put that capability in there. It's just a little bit, you know, a few lines of code. You know, there's no additional hardware unless they add the paddles, you know, in which. Case, and
2: I feel like it makes it seem fun. Like it's one of those yeah. like there's a manual mode. Give me a paddle. I up. want a
4: real manual. I To me, you say sporty and it's like if it's sporty, it sh- there should be a
2: manual. Exactly. And there's not like there is there is no actual manual, which is disappointing, but the three of us and two other humans in the world can drive one right now. So <laughs> or at least at least, <laughs> in, at least in, in the U S yeah. Right. In Europe, everyone can drive one. I think I still think, right. I feel yeah. like most people can, cause so many of their cars have a manual transmission. And my, my older can daughter can,
3: my yeah. older daughter can drive a manual because she used to work for drive shop. And so she needed to learn to drive a manual. So I taught her how to drive a stick, but
2: there you, you go. Know. Good yeah. for you. Passing on the knowledge to the next generation. My I have one daughter who can drive one and one daughter. Who couldn't, but she just got impatient. I'm like, okay, if you get it. (laughs) That sounds like
3: my younger kid.
2: Yeah, it was just like, I don't have time for this. I'm like, okay, well, hope you never get stuck in the only car you have is a manual and you're being chased by a killer bear. You're going to die because you wouldn't take five minutes to let me teach you.
4: (laughs) There's a couple of manufacturers who are trying to bring back the manual and trying to actually get younger people excited about it. I just, Ford is going to have a driving school for for people who don't know how to do manuals, who, who don't know how to drive manuals for the Mustang. For yeah. the interesting. That's yeah,
3: awesome. Yeah. And, and, and Toyota said they're going to bring out some sort of simulated manual oh. for some of their future EVs. So oh. for some of their EV sports cars. So we'll we'll see how that works out. How again. that, that works. would
2: be
4: cool. That's you know, that's my thing. It's like I love EVs and I love driving a manual. So how do you marry the two? So yeah, I think that'd be that cool. Out.
2: Well, be my cool. my niece for a school project, her for her senior project her thing was, I'm going to learn how to ma- drive a manual transmission and I want to learn how to drive it off road. So she went like all in and she did great because I helped teach her. But um, yeah, but it's the only kid that I know that actively said, yeah, this would be cool. I want to learn how to do this. Others, it's kind of like, well, I must, because the only car my parents will give me is the old beaten up <laughs> fill in the blank and it has a manual <laughs> transmission. So therefore I have to learn to drive one, you know,
4: Smart parents should make their children, drive manuals make their teenagers absolutely yeah you're not going to be texting if you're driving well you shouldn't be texting and driving it's
3: a lot harder to do
2: (laughs) i i've i yeah i don't know how you would because i feel like how could you i've (laughs) never tried clearly i've never tried it and i'm not going to try this experiment but i feel like that would be next to impossible i feel like it's bad enough when people are doing texting and driving without but yeah no mm -mm, definitely don't do that so does not have a manual transmission, but has a manual control mode. Um, but it's very fun to drive. It still has enough of a sporty handling to it. Among the long, huge list of improvements, they did things to make it, the chassis, a little bit stiffer. Um, and that's across the whole Impreza lineup. So you can feel that. Um, they did a lot of... They did lots of little upgrades. Like they have now that 11.6-inch vertical infotainment screen that's now available. First time it's been available in the Impreza. They now made iSight driver assistance standard. I guess, I think it was just like the manual transmission. It was almost standard before, but not quite. It was like really close to it. Now it is standard. Um, They have things like wireless, available wireless, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. And it starts... The starting price for the base one, for the one, you know, if you're just getting a base Impreza, according to them, is twenty two nine nine five, um, which is pretty affordable. If you get all the way up to, keep going up. So the base is twenty two nine nine five. You go for the Sport in the middle, twenty four nine nine five. Come all the way up to the RS, twenty seven eight eight five. And I have to do math to have our destination game because I do not have a Maroney surprise surprise. But I still feel like though that pricing. It's not crazy pricing. This is a Fun little car it has good standard features. Um especially like this. It's like you've got a sporty little hatchback that you didn't break the bank to get. It's got standard all-wheel drive so you can drive it around any time of year. You know, a lot of times if it doesn't have standard all-wheel drive, you're paying an extra couple thousand dollars to add that to a vehicle. You don't have to add that to it. So I I'm I think this is a good value overall. Okay, wait. I'm going to get wait, let me get my destination number on the screen. Is that right? I'm having to do math. Math is really more of a Sam thing. So I feel like this should really be, but I'm going to do the math. But I don't okay. want to
3: cheat. So I'll, I'll okay. Do
2: yeah. It. I can't have you do it. Cause you do it in your head in two seconds. Um. Okay. Tell me what, give me figures. What do you, what do you think the destination charge is on the 2024 Subaru Impreza?
3: Tanya, why don't you guess first?
4: Oh, I always get this wrong. 795 that's
3: okay. way too low. Oh, yeah, that is way too low.
4: All right, make it 12.95.
3: 12 that, are you, That's better.
2: Okay, okay. You're uh, letting Sam could just be faking you out. Why are you listening to him?
3: I'll, I'll go with uh 9.95.
2: Okay, see? Sam's going to win. It is actually, according to my math, 1090, which seems like a weird number, but I did my math twice.
3: Yeah, but if she had gone with 795, she still would have lost. She still would have lost. There hasn't been a car with a $795 <laughs> delivery charge in a long time.
2: <laughs> a thousand. Now we find one, and you're like, Sam, you're wrong, and we found one. <laughs>
3: Spe- speaking of just a, a slight tangent, uh, yes. we talk about delivery charges. Um, this isn't one of the stories we're going to talk about this week, but um, earlier this week, uh, Ford announced some price cuts for the 2024 uh, Mustang Mach-E. Uh, last year, they had raised prices a couple of times because battery material costs had gone up. Um, and now, you know, some car makers, are, you know, Tesla, most notably, who've cut prices like six times since the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, Ford has announced some price cuts of anywhere from $700 to $3,000 on the, uh, the Mach-E for the 24 models. And they opened the order books for those. But one there's a in the fine print. If you read through the whole the whole thing, they also increased the delivery charge by three hundred dollars.
2: Oh, see, so, so they,
3: so they made cut up- the cut the sticker price by seven hundred, but they raised the delivery charge by three hundred. So they really only cut it by four Cut it
2: by four hundred. See those delivery fees? That's the like. The game it's, playing part of it. because It's you don't, the,
3: the hidden price increase.
2: And nobody, and you know that you can't like negotiate that stuff out and nope. you look at it and you're like, so as a consumer, I think you kind of look and go, well, that's the part I can't do anything about. So you don't look at it. You're like, if that just went up, your your car isn't as much less as you thought it would be in the case of the mach or it's a lot more than just generally speaking. It's like, you're paying $1,400 delivery. What?
3: <laughs> the, the only automaker that I know of that, actually includes the delivery charge in their advertised prices. So when they talk about, yeah. you know, Chevy Bolt being like 26795 or whatever it is, um, you know, that that includes the delivery charge in the price that they advertise is GM. Really? Nobody else does that. So when you if you go through, you know, the Chevy or Buick or GMC or Cadillac websites and you see the price listed there, the um that includes the delivery charge. You know, when you actually go through the configurator, what you'll see is it as you're going through the steps of the configurator, it actually shows the base MSRP is lower because it's showing you the base MSRP. Right. And then when you get to the end, it shows you that. But it should add up back to what, you know, on the other pages, on the main pages, when it shows the the price, That's that's the price, including delivery. So credit to GM for doing that. And I think every automaker should be required to do that by
2: law. It's so darn confusing in general to look at all that stuff, to look at the Monroni, to look at the breakdown when you're looking at a website. I mean, think about it, how hard it is. Like, we, all three of us have been on a the consumer version of the site instead of the media site to look something up and trying to build a vehicle to see what it costs or trying to check out what trim has what thing. And it's hard for us to get all the pieces and the pricing and all that. I'm like. But we look at that all the time. I can't even imagine at this point in my life being a consumer looking at oh. that and going, oh my God, like trying to figure it all out. It's not clear. It's well, not.
3: As you, know, as you were describing the the Impreza, I was going, I was on the Subaru site, you know, trying to find the Impreza because I wanted to see what the um you talked about the the piping on the uh the interior, the red right. piping. I wanted to yeah. see what that looked like. And there's there <laughs> there is you can't no, find it. There is no Impreza RS listed here.
2: See? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, that's the thing. It's like, oh, I wonder what the RS looks like. Good luck with that. Go to a dealer. Hope you find one. Like, these things should be easier. And when you someday, Sam, when they decide to give you a picture, you delve into the media kit. I don't know where they have a picture of it. You'll get
3: to see it. It's probably on the media site.
2: It is. But it should be on the, like, a consumer's going to want to, like, wouldn't you want to know what that looks like? If the part of the big thing is it has all this RS interior stuff, it should just, like, blammo, pop up on the website and show you if you look at that.
3: Is is the is this a, a twenty twenty four model?
2: This is a twenty four.
3: Okay, so it may be that it's not actually on sale yet.
2: It could be. And
3: so do they, they, they have, may have just not Do they up- have?
2: Do they have the twenty fours on the consumer site? Uh, I was looking at the media l- site.
3: It looks like these are twenty threes.
2: So maybe that's why. Maybe yeah. they haven't updated.
3: Yeah, I don't I think that they've updated. Orders
4: though. Now that they want everybody to order everything, I mean, it should be up and ready to
2: be ordered, right? You would think so. You would think. And I'm looking through the press release to see if it's 2023 Impreza
3: on the media on the uh, consumer site. They have the 24 Crosstrek, but the Impreza is still listed as a 23.
2: Okay, you know why? Because it says um, I finally I'm scanning down the press kit. 2024 Impreza will be produced in the Subaru plant in Gunma, Japan, and begin arriving in Subaru retailers early summer. So apparently they're not quite ready to. to put all this out there for consumers uh, just I w-
3: yet. I would guess in, in the next few weeks
2: you'll be able It'll to It'll show face. up.
4: Yeah. yeah. Early summer is not that long from now. If, if they want them, if you you know, if you're gonna order it, it could take three months. Easily right. you
2: order it today and you'll have it in September. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. 100%. percent
3: Uh all right. Uh Tanya. What have you been driving?
4: Well, I was just gonna say, I I feel like I looks like you had a Stellantis binge. Well, I did. She did. But let's stay with Subaru for a second, if if that's okay. Okay. Subaru. I Nicole and I did not plan this, but I wore. Oh, you wore your new Subaru T shirt because I was just on the Crosstrack drive. Yes. The twenty twenty four Crosstrack drive, and I just pulled up the press release because I was curious about the destination and delivery for the Crosstrack, the twenty twenty four. Do you guys want to take a guess?
2: Oh. Well,
4: it's 95 we
2: it's, it's not Wait, what was the Impreza again? 1090 10- f- 1090 for the Impreza. So let's say for Crosstrek, I'm going to go um I'm going to go I'm going to go 995. Sam.
4: Yeah. Uh I'm going to go 1295.
2: Sam nailed it. It is Are $2. You $2. kidding. 5. It is 1295. Wow. I mean, so yeah. that's a little chunk. That's a good chunk more. 10 11 What is that? Almost 2. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why yeah. is why is the Crosstrek you know two hundred dollars more than be, the Impreza? Be,
3: because because the Crosstrek is probably more popular. It sells in larger numbers than the Impreza does, okay. and so they're taking advantage of that.
2: Wow, that's probably it. Supply oh, and yeah. demand. Supply and demand. They can yeah. choose, they can they can charge it. I know, but it doesn't make sense. I agree with you, Tony. No. It's like why the, is this one 10, the same size? It's a- and that one's tw- it's not like one is a teeny tiny little it sports car exactly. and the other one is like a three row SUV. Then, it would then, then you're like, okay, it's bigger. It's going to take more way. space, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. But like these, I can't imagine the physical difference between these two is not that significant. No.
4: But two, okay. Two Subarus to their credit, they are keeping the MSRP the same as the 2023. So it's going to start at 24, 995.
3: For yeah, the cross track
4: For the cross truck.
3: Okay.
2: So, they talk about can we talk about the cross check for this episode when we get it is on there. Yeah,
3: I think it's uh to, the embargoes tomorrow for that.
2: Yeah, the okay. Embargo the driving okay. impressions
4: embargoes tomorrow. I mean, okay. I just looked and they they actually released all of the tech stuff in Chicago back Yeah. Chicago the te- yeah,
2: when they did the reveal of the Chicago Auto Show. So really? The-
4: they didn't tell us anything at the drive that we didn't already have. No. But we didn't actually get to take it through um Yeah pretty decent paces. They, they took us to a mountain and we drove up the mountain, like a ski mountain, like not on any road. It was, it was just basically an off-road course up a ski mountain and then back down a ski mountain. And it, it was,
2: it was, we should talk about it because we're talking about it. You want to talk about it now? Let's you, go like, ahead and talk me? about it now. So yeah, and so now that we've brought, we're like on a Subaru binge now, and then we'll yeah. go on a Stellantis binge. So, I, t- what did you think of the course, Tanya? That you the the mud and the muck. Were you there? I don't know if you were there before me or after me.
4: You I was the been... second wave, so yeah, we weren't. You were before me. You were Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. Right?
2: it was so muddy when we were there. It was so muddy, like 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 mud that you look at it even if you have a capable car like this and you think "Mm, maybe we won't drive that but we did
4: yeah i was impressed that they and it was even muddier for my wave because it had continued to rain it was it was in woodstock new york which the weather was very similar to michigan and they've just been having rain 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 and more rain so
2: yeah and it was so you know certain oems when they have you off-road they mean it like jeep always mean it means it when the you know like the gmc guys they have you take a truck off-road they mean it you Know they they're 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 serious about it. I wasn't sure how serious Subaru would be about it. Sometimes there's shorter routes, you know. We had some kind of technical stuff when we did the cross-trek drive for the this was for the 2.5 liter for the standard engine, which I've forgotten the number on. That one we did like sort of like up a hill and back down again. A gnarly little hill, but it was like a five-minute little trek. This one. This was some real off-roading. We were taking sharp corners. There were some narrow spots. We had to pay attention to the trees on either side. I was a little worried about those trees. I was
4: there a couple of times where my co-driver was just barreling through and I'm like, we are so going to hit one of those trees. I really know. It was,
2: it was very narrow. And then when you came down, like there were spots where they literally said like, you're, you're let the hill descent do it because the hill descent is going to be what sort of saves you here. And it did it. And it's, you're just like steering. Cause it's like slidey, slidey, slide. Cause it's just mud. There's no traction. There's nothing for out of the tires to grip onto, but then they got kind of rutted. Like we were going through some serious, I always think of them as moguls because like, you know, the butt where they're trying to get left wheel up, right wheel up, left wheel up, right wheel up. We're going through that. And I was really genuinely impressed with how well it handled.
4: Well, it was such a serious course that afterward we took, we were taking our interior pictures because we never trust, you know, the the manufacturers to give us all the photos we want and need. And we we took an engine picture and there was actually some mud, like it had gotten which I thought, wow, is that, is that okay? I mean, I don't know if that's, a, I mean, it was a lot of mud, but there was a little mud on the edge. It's,
2: it splashes up. we had, um,
3: the Subaru it's, it's meant to have that
2: it's meant to be dirty. <laughs> so yeah, it was funny. We, when we were taking pictures of how we got it all nice and muddy when we came around the front, um, we had taken a chunk of grass with us in the grill cause it had hit, hit it like come up with enough. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I'm, no, I'm leaving that there. That's proof that we really did this. So there's like giant blop of mud. There's mud on the roof because it was splashy some of there was some really big puddles there's mud on the roof there's mud. it was it was kind of refreshing almost to take this and say okay nothing this is probably a little more challenging than what the average person who's going off-road in their subaru oh cross truck is going to do so but,
0: but then it could
2: do it see this is what i thought so say you take your 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 orange cross track. Cause if you buy this, Oh, they don't even make orange anymore. No, I don't, I don't think they do green, green. Well, okay. they don't make orange. They don't they make the green. orange anymore. So let's yeah. say you take your green cross track because you couldn't get an orange one because sadness, you take your orange cross track, you go to your little mountain getaway with your family and you drive on your little dirt road and, and it's fine. And then it pours rain on your weekend. And then you go to go home and you got to drive go back down that dirt road. And suddenly it's muddy and a horrible mess. And you think, oh no, we're never getting home. You would actually get home. You would. That's where where I see people driving through stuff that was quite as gnarly as that. It's like, we've gotten here. We're here. Oh wow. The weather did not do what we thought it would do. We got to get back and it will still get you back. So I, like kudos to Subaru for letting us drive that. And also like, wow, it did surprisingly well driving that. That's a really good
4: point because I always do these courses and I think nobody in their right mind is going right? to set out to drive on on roads like this. But you're right. I mean, you can get somewhere and then it can change. So mm-hmm. it's good to have a vehicle that can
2: get you home. That's yeah. probably a good tagline, right? Yeah, And, and your dogs. dogs.
3: Care and care of your, your dogs too. Yes.
2: So did you see the cool thing they had? I just thought this was neat. They had one of the Subarus and it was an orange one. So it had to be an older generation, maybe if they're not doing orange, but they had it with their, all their interior protective stuff for your pet. Did you, did they have this one there when you were yes. driving Tanya? Yeah, that was actually one of the PR guys. That was his personal Subaru. It was it was his car and he yeah. had it. So it didn't just have, but this is the, and I've never seen this. So it had official, really plush, durable, gray padded stuff all over the cargo area, all over the, the rear seats, all over the front seats. Everything fits. You could still pull seat belts through, you know, everything was still accessible, but it had little back door panels. Like they popped sort of like they, they slid over the doors and it was plastic, not super heavy, but like a plastic. So that if your dog tends to want to scratch at things, he's not scratching your door panels to bits. Well, so, here's the
4: irony that I a backstory that PR person doesn't actually own any dogs. He has, he has a cat and he makes his cat everywhere with, Oh them. my
2: gosh. So his cat with claws, maybe they looked in good shape. Yeah. Actually, everything that was in that Subaru, that looked, it wasn't, it didn't look torn up by a dog. So I don't know if that's, or a cat, it, either that's a testament to the quality of it, or he has a super chill pet that he just doesn't want cat hair everywhere.
4: <laughs> his cat is very cool. He has his own Instagram page. His name is tiny Elvis.
2: He did show, was that, the, he did show the picture of the cat during the yeah. presentation, just kind of like, it's always, we always show pictures of Subarus with dogs. I want cats to have equal, equal time. Equal opportunity
4: for all pets. Now yes. we need to get like a ferret in there. Or something. A
2: ferret, maybe a rabbit, baby goat. I don't know. We'll have to work on that. <laughs> well, you know, the next drive
4: for the, so this is kind of funny. Subaru was having three drives this year for the cross. Yeah. They were actually kind of, you know, like, It's a little, it's a, but you know, it's three different vehicles. So the, the next one is going to be the wilderness package right? and that's going to be in September in, in Utah.
2: So that'll be one more cross check experience. Let's see if they can give us as and that one should be the most off-roady of the bunch, Tanya. Like if we did, so we did, so it's almost like degrees of it's accelerating. So it was like a nice little five minute Rocky kind of gnarly thing. Then it was like, I don't know, that was maybe half an hour it was At a least gap hour. We drove a little too much. <laughs> yeah, like driving through the mud and okay. the muck in Woodstock. Okay, yeah. now you're giving us the wilderness. Okay, Subaru, you got to give us like an even more crazier stuff to drive through. I'll drive yeah, with you, it, Tanya to if we go. Yeah, if we end up going and we're in the same wave, Tanya, we will drive together and see if we can get through the
4: <laughs> the crazy. <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. I, I give Subaru props. They really yeah. do. You know, they don't just build some tiny little off-road course. They actually have a no, school
2: They school did course. it, which I, like I said, I appreciate when they really do it. My, my my gold standard for you guys didn't really try is if I feel like I could take a Camry on the course, you didn't really try. <laughs> you would have not taken your Camry on here. It would have gone poorly oh, for your Camry. So, <laughs> so
3: would would you put the um, the course, the off-road course that we did with the Hyundai Palisade last fall in that uh, didn't really try?
2: I sadly would. I think there was one spot on that whole course that was a little bit muddy. There was sort of like a little bit of a hairpin turn and it got a little bit that orangey mud that you have down there in the Carolinas. And it got, but I feel like if you just gunned it a little bit, you'd gotten your Camry right up that sucker. I love you, Hyundai. I love your Palisade. That course was not off-roady enough for what that to show off what it could have done. It didn't show that it did anything. It didn't show it off. I've actually
4: driven that course three, three different trips with, with three different vehicles. And they, that was, they just really, it was a tiny little portion and, and the the easiest portion, but you know, I don't, I don't blame them. It's, it's a Palisade. It shouldn't be built for.
2: But like, I feel like if you're going to tell me, Tanya, if you tell me you're going off road in this vehicle, I had best see off road. <laughs>
4: well, <laughs> like, I felt like it was all. Well, I mean, we we
3: were, were technically off road. I mean, it technically, was, there was no pavement. There was no
2: pavement. <sighs> there was no pavement. There was very little pavement on that drive entirely. But yeah, but That's I suppose, true, yeah. Like, if you are going to try and show me like this can off road, then show me it can off road. Even Mazda did more off roadiness in there. They did a Mazda one a while back and they're trying to show the Mazda the CX-50. CX-50 and that was relatively tame overall, but it was like, no, there were spots here where it was steep enough, sharp enough, up or down, uneven enough left to right that you needed a little SUV that had a little bit of capability to get through it, or you could have been in trouble in a sedan. So,
3: well, I think what, what's cool, you know, I haven't driven the cross track, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the fact that it can, there's got some. Significant off-road chops, you you know, certainly no Wrangler Rubicon, but, (laughs) you know, it can, it can do, it can take you places where you wouldn't go with a Camry and, you know, the base price is only 25 grand.
2: It's really good, which is is pretty impressive. It's, It's not, it's cheap. It's yeah. cheap, and it, it's cheap but it doesn't feel cheap. It's No, it doesn't feel cheap
4: and you get a lot for base, you know. You that's a big thing. It's they're not just they're not just nickel and diming you with every little thing.
2: It's like and there's only three trims that I appreciate that it's like a well-equipped <clears throat> excuse me, a well-equipped base model if that's where you are. You want a little bit more finery, you know, a little bit more in your Subaru, go with the Sport. And if you're really looking for it to look different and just have more power, you got the RS. I think it's a nice lineup. I think it I think it's a good lineup and like you said all have a good price. Nothing in that is outrageous for what it is. I'm going to say
4: one more thing about the interior before I forget because I thought this was notable. It's got all the tech, but they haven't completely gotten rid of all the knobs and their point was a lot of times people driving them are in the in cold weather areas and they've got gloves on and they don't want to make everything touch, you know, I mean, you got to be able to do some things with, with, with dials with actual old school dials and, and, you know, turning on the seat heat and stuff like that. You can do it super fast, super easy with like an old school toggle. Yep. And I thought, you know, that's, that's actually really practical and it's yeah. not just them taking the cheap way out. It's like, you can do it you can do a lot of tech things, but you can yeah. also do some
2: quick. Yeah. Tech. And it matches, like I said, with the Impreza, they do the same thing. Like it's consistent within the brand, the three yeah. trim levels for the Impreza that are those, you know, that I just mentioned having everything easy. You don't, everything's tough and like durable and easy to grab with your hands and gloves and nothing feels like it's so fragile. It's going to fall apart at the first, you know, sign of mud and it's consistent. And the pricing is consistently a value across the brands. So that's one of the reasons I like Subarus. I think they're a good choice.
3: And even though they don't have that orange anymore,
4: I know
2: the Sunblaze
3: Pearl looks pretty cool. I kind of like that.
4: It so, is. It's really yeah. nice. They did have that out there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have like some good green. Colors. I'm all about green. You know, I love green cars. So I'm like beeline for the green car.
2: I'm a blue car person, but I don't want boring blue. I don't want just yeah. like navy. I want some kind of fun blue. What the sapphire blue pearl
3: that they have on the on the cross track looks pretty good. good.
2: What what color are your colors? So Tanya's all about the greens. I'm about the blues. Sam. I
3: like I like blue generally but you know just I'm I'm very much in favor of any bold colors on cars. I I think it is long past time that we should ban all grays Ugh. and whites and blacks from cars. Yes. We've had way too many of those for way too long and we should just you know we should have a period where we just have bold colors.
2: Okay, can I tell you I saw a color, you're not going to believe this Sam, that is better than the crystal soul red metallic enamasta. But I don't you can't you. You can't buy it. You can't have it. Oh, okay. So I, I can share this bit. So this is from something. And I, I was like, I have to mention this. So when I was in, um, I was in Italy this week, driving the new Tenali, which I can't give any drive impressions on yet. They're still embargoed, but they took us to the museum. Super fascinating experience. But then they took us behind the scenes with all the stuff. Like here's all the pretty cars with the pretty placards that are all arranged by year or because these are racing or whatever. Then they took us up the staircase into the storage area where it's just row upon row of car and cases full of trophies and bits and pieces of engine memorabilia and all this. And there's this one, like, there's like, it's it's some alpha that is the deepest, most brilliant red that I've ever seen. Like, the thing practically glowed. It was this very ruby red. And as I was staring at it, the one, there were two people giving the tour, and I said, oh, my gosh, she said, yeah. I said can you buy this? She said, no. I said, what is that color called? And she said, they didn't make it. It was on this little sort of, de- like, prototype or one off that they had done. She's like, it doesn't have a color. We just called it like, I think it was either six or nine layer red because it was that many layers of red <laughs> to get that red. It didn't have a name. And I'm like, Oh, that might be the cl- I have to send you the picture, Sam. I took yeah. a picture. The, the, the first time I've seen a red, but you, of course you can't buy it. Cause if it's that many layers, it probably would have also been like a, you know,
3: $20,000, right,
2: $20,000 paint option. But I'm like, Oh, that's pretty good. But that's the closest I've seen to anything as cool as that Mazda red is the unobtainium that is this one alpha red
3: (laughs) very nice
0: (laughs) nice buns soft fluffy and ultra low net carbs discover hero bread the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture, Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.
3: Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia, and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. Uh, Time for a Stellantis binge.
4: Oh, I just had a – I just had a – Lineup of Stellantis's. so I have Stellant High. Would that be the plural of
2: Stellant? Stellantis,
4: It um, works. So here's the thing. I, I'm gonna make a. Con- it's a confession. It's confession time. I Uh-oh. am am more. I, I prefer a minivan to a pickup. <gasps> go ahead and say it. That's I have a okay. Pacifica hybrid plug-in this week, and it is. It's just so luxurious for a minivan. I haven't been in a minivan in a long time. It's got these
2: little bolster.
3: Excuse me. Shouldn't you be referring to that as a as an MPV or something like a multi purpose vehicle? Multi
2: purpose vehicle. <laughs>
4: I don't know. I don't even think they call it anything. They're not even trying to. It's just the Pacifica. <laughs> Here's our minivan. <laughs> you decide what you want to call it. It's just the Chrysler Pacifica. But you know, at the plug-in, I just love plug-ins so much. It's like I don't know why there aren't more plug-in hybrids. This thing is just—you get like 35 miles of of electric, which is you know really do, usable. And then if you go want to go to, I'm going to go to Ann Arbor today, so I'm, I'm going to flip over to the gas, and it's I won't have to worry about you know running out of out of juice, which you know, I could probably get to a, to Ann Arbor and back on on most battery electric vehicles, but still, I just I like having both. I I just personally like it. And this one, they give you such a long cord. I'm actually parked way far away from my 120 because I don't have a level two yet, and I can reach it. It's like amazing how long the cord is. So I know it's a little stupid thing, but and it's no, I mean that's that's that a legit not, thing. Yeah, it's, it's something super we've actually. Easy.
3: We've actually talked about in in yeah. the last few weeks because we had a a listener send in a note, um, you know, about a friend who had bought um, I can't remember if it was an EV or a plug-in hybrid, but was trying to figure out, you know, they didn't they didn't have access to to charging at home, and you know was trying to figure out, you know, if they could charge it at work, you know, if they could if they could do it with an extension cord, and you know, so we we're you know recommending that yeah, if you're gonna do this you know at any significant distance what you want is a really heavy duty extension cord right. uh, to to enable that uh, so you don't melt it um but uh yeah I mean it's it's a it's a legit issue for a lot of people.
4: And it's, you know, honestly, it's easy. Like I'm starting to notice they're not all obviously the same in terms of plugging in and and even ones that they give you at home versus the level three chargers, this level two one are, you know, the the plug-in at home is super easy to use. It's just very intuitive. You can do it in the dark. You don't have to get out a manual or anything. It's just very plug and play, you know, it's a plug Mm -hmm. and play. So I, I love this. I've only had it for a couple of days. I had the Ram Rebel 1500 pickup, which was, awesome and badass but and it had an amazing back seat i was really impressed with how big the back seat was huge yeah um but i'm just you know you got to lower it and raise it, it didn't have any, any guardrail it was just really a lot it was just it took a lot to just get in and out of it basically i feel like that's the perfect description of the ram rebel the ram rebel it's a lot it's a <laughs> lot of it's cool.
3: and, that's, but, and that's not even a trx right <laughs>
4: And then week before I had the Grand Wagoneer which was just really grand. It was I I can It's see a lot too. It, it's it, is, but it also is a lot, grand. yeah. Well, parking both of them was very challenging. I mean, you really have to think about where you're pulling in and how big the space is, but I felt I, I felt like the the pickup was harder to park for some reason than the Grand Wagoneer. Is I it just,
2: technically longer? I mean, the Grand Wagoneer isn't a shorty, but I feel I I I don't actually know which of those vehicles is technically longer.
1: God, isn't, isn't that question. funny?
2: The Grand Wagoneer is so darn big. We're like, hmm, is the truck I bigger? Think or the Grand
4: Wagoneer it... is longer. Did,
3: did, did you have the Wagoneer L or the, the regular Grand Wagoneer? I had the L. Okay. I think that one long. might actually be longer.
4: It was really long, but I just didn't feel, it didn't feel as awkward to park for some reason. That's I don't fair. Yeah. And it really, it's, it's really beautiful. I mean, it's just, it's, I drove a lot that week because I really wanted to be in the vehicle <laughs> And and people were very impressed with it. I took it places and people wanted to see it. And I felt like more of a car salesman that week than I have the last two weeks, you know, because we always feel like car salespeople. You
2: do. People ask you about the car Mm -hmm. and you can give them far more information than maybe what they're looking for.
4: Yeah. And well, sometimes I I feel like I should be getting like a a cut because I've probably just sold this vehicle. Jeep, I sold three Grand Wagoneers. Where's my money? (laughs) Totally. Like 100%. I I do think I sold at least two or three Grand Wagoneers. (laughs) So I
2: can believe it. Yeah, that's it's well, and you know, the thing is when people see it in the real world, like you see pictures of things or you see it online or you see it advertised, then you see it in the real world. And if it was kind of getting your attention on an ad, once you see it live and in person and ours are always perfect and high trim level levels and sparkling new, it's like, ooh, like it matches up with what they just saw on TV. You and know? I love showing people the tricks,
4: you know, it's like I, I love opening up the back of the Grand Wagoneer, and making the seats go down. And it's like, you have enough room for a mattress. I think there's there's Mm a full-size mattress. You could camp back there. there. It's huge. And it's like, this would be the most fabulous van life vehicle ever. Van life vehicle. It would be.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So the Ram 1500 crew cabs are 232.9 inches long. The Grand Wagoneer L is 226.7 inches long. So the Ram is bigger.
2: Slightly. A skosh. Just a tiny about, bit, about
3: six inches, but yeah. not by much. Yeah,
4: yeah, it just felt huge, and like oh, I, I believe it. Keep, I had to keep like, thank God for those cameras. You know, I don't know how people used to park before cameras because mm-hmm. I'd have to check to see where the front is and where the back is, and it's like I never quite had it in my head where it actually was. There was usually more space in in front than I thought there was.
2: My mom back in the day had a. Um, grand Wagoneer <clears throat> back in the eighties with no technology, the, the old school Wagoneer, the old school Wagoneer with the faux wood paneling. And she parked that thing like a champ. And I don't know how she did it. She could wedge it into a parking spot, parallel park it. it took her two seconds. I don't know where that skill came from, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I could yeah, do that if with you, one today. If you
3: park one of those next to a, a modern grand Wagoneer, you know, it's like about two feet shorter.
2: Yeah, yeah. but it's still not a petite vehicle. No, uh, and, you, know. But,
3: you know, I mean, it's it's much closer in size to, you know, a two row Grand Cherokee than it is to, a you know, uh, a modern Wagoneer.
2: Yes. Oh, it's definitely not as big. Absolutely not. Well, and I
4: think when you own your own vehicle and drive it for a while, you just kind of feel it better. It's like, I can feel where my vehicle is. I know where, where I, I I do my, I wedge my, my SUV into spaces and it's remarkable. So I just think you just know, you just you kind get of, used. To, you do
2: get used to your own car, which is part of why I think I have such a hard time parking every press vehicle I get. Cause you go from tiny little car to big car, to truck, to medium. So you're, you never get ever. the sort of spatial sense of how big things are. And, and, you know, if you go from a small car suddenly to a truck, it's like, oh gosh, I don't have a sense of how big this truck actually is.
4: Yeah. Well, well, all week long with the, with the pickup, it was like respect the truck, respect the truck. <laughs> you have to, which is huge.
3: You know, I wonder how much, obviously, you know, trucks and SUVs have grown pretty substantially over the last 20, 25 years. You know, and, they, and they've and particularly gotten a lot taller. Um, and visibility out of them pretty much sucks in all. <laughs>
1: um,
3: and I wonder how much of that is, you know, the fact that designers and engineers know now that, you know, well, we've got all these cameras, you know, people can see out of them with the cameras. So we don't have to think about, you know, actual visibility anymore because we know they can use the cameras. I wonder how much of that is actually going on, you know, behind the scenes as, as they're developing these things. Because if the, if we didn't have these cameras, it seems to me like they would be much more thoughtful about how big they decide to make these things.
4: And God Maybe. help you if your cameras break for some reason.
2: Yeah. Or even your when you're, even when you have it, like when, during the winter, when there's snow, like snow gets spacked, with salt. stuck on, so yeah, it gets covered with salt and muck. It's not like your car isn't cleared of snow, but drive in the muck for five minutes in New England or in, you know, Michigan or wherever. And you get that road salt and grime and you, the cameras are useless. Right. Or hard. They just
4: don't, you know, you got to kind of.
2: Looking right. At You're through, squinting through, through water this. droplets or whatever. You're like, that yeah. is a weird frog eye view now behind me, you know?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, one thing I have noticed is on vehicles that have the uh, digital camera mirrors uh, inside. So you can flip the mirror from, from oh, the, yeah. the optical mirror to a display that displays a view from the camera. Um, all of those that I've tried recently uh, they actually do have uh, a washer on the camera. Uh, so if you if you do the windshield washer, or the back window washer, uh, it will wash that rear camera as well. So if it gets obscured, you can wash it, and you can still see behind you. So that that is a good thing.
2: Yeah, that makes it a little, little easier. easier yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. All right. Anything else on uh, on the the Pacifica or the Rebel or the uh, the Wagoneer?
4: No, I think that's I covered it. Yeah. Okay.
3: Cool. Well. I also had a big SUV, um, a big German SUV, uh, the BMW X7 M60i, um, mm. which is um, kind of arguably the uh, the flagship of the mainstream BMW line, not not including the M model. So technically, I guess this is an M model, uh, but, you know, the, the XM, you know, kind of slots in above this. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the X7, the X7 is big. Uh, not as big <laughs> as a, as a grand Wagoneer. Um, and uh, you know, especially if you plan to use the third row um, there's the third row. I climbed into the, into the third row and there's definitely room for two adults back there. If the second row seats are slid forward a bit, you know, so you're going to sacrifice some, some second low second row leg room. Uh, but you you can get adults in both the second and third row. Um, one thing I liked about the, the XM, um, when you move the second row seats forward to get into the back, um, they actually power not just forward but up, so they lift up and then move slide forward as well. So you, you have more room to squeeze in and get back in there into that third row. Uh, so I was able to get in and out of the third row relatively comfortably and sit back there. Uh, you know, I'm 5'11. I had. You know, a little bit of a gap between my head and and the the ceiling. I think Robbie probably wouldn't fit back there. I was
2: just going to ask, <laughs> would Robbie fit? <laughs> Pro-
3: probably not. Um, but but I fit back there. But the problem is, if you have the third row seats up, you actually have very little cargo space left in the back. Okay. Uh, so I you know I picked it up. I picked up the X7 at the airport when I came back from a trip, and you know I put um, my bag and my backpack back there. And you know you can't you can't there's it's the it's not the cargo area is not deep enough to put a standard roller bag flat down on its side. you basically you have to put it up you either uh-huh. have to stand it up or put it on its on its side you can't put it on its back. Um, so it's a fairly shallow uh compartment back there um and you know the like the X5, the X7 has the split tailgate. Uh, so the, the top part goes up and then there's, you know, sort of, it's about split about, uh, one quarter, three quarters. So the top three quarters goes up and then the bottom quarter goes down, which is something I think they inherited from Range Rover. Um, you know, cause they BMW used to own, uh, Range Rover, uh, back in the day. And, and they've, they've had that, that same sort of setup for a long time. Um, although, or maybe BMW started cause I think they had that on the original X5 anyway, a divergence. Um, so <laughs> not a lot of cargo space in the back if you're using the third row. So, the X7 is probably not an ideal um road trip vehicle for a larger family. Um and you can you can take, you know, six or seven people in there, but you're just not going to have space for their stuff. Um unless you get um, you know, a roof carrier or something like that or or pull a trailer. Um the uh the one that I had the, the M60s, the performance model. So that's a, a twin turbo, uh 4.4 liter V8, 523 horsepower, 553 foot pounds of torque. So no shortage of performance in this thing. This this thing is quick, um, despite its its size. Um the the front end, you know, this is the 2023 model, so it's the the, the refreshed design, so it's got the new split. Uh, front lights that are exclusive to the top end BMWs now uh so the 7 series the X7 and the XM have this layout so you've got thin horizontal strips uh, above with your uh daytime running lamps and then another thin horizontal strip below uh it's kind of kind of not totally dissimilar to the the current Genesis look um you know with the headlights below mm-hmm. um and then the uh you know of course the the large twin kidneys um the one that i was driving uh was finished in frozen marina bay blue metallic Ooh, which cool. um you know so the frozen means it's it's one of bmw's matte finishes it's not a not a gloss finish
2: oh i love matte finish paint did it look good
3: it, it looked great uh you know up until it rained um you know and oh, then no. you know you had the the road residue that that uh accumulated on there and you know then it looked kind of you know i think I think matte finishes actually look worse after when you get some of the road residue on there than maybe gloss finishes do. Uh, uh, it's hard hard to say. Um, you know, but I when I had the i4 the week before, the i4M50, um that one had the Portemau Blue, the Frozen Portemau Blue. Mm-hmm. Um the Marina Bay Blue is a slightly darker shade of blue. It when it's clean, it does look fantastic. Um very very nice uh color. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the design of BMW's larger um, SUVs, or, or should I say, SAVs, Sport Activity Vehicles.
2: Oh gosh, uh, we not- don't need another acronym.
3: I know, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, if you if you've got to drive a big performance uh, SUV, um, you know, with room for room for a bunch of people, uh, this one's not a bad way to go. Um, it's it's got the latest iteration of BMW's iDrive. Um, like the 7 Series, the new 7 Series, you know, it's got the the crystal iDrive controller knob and the the little uh, shifter toggle in the uh, center console, you know, which looks kind of fancy. Um, the uh, one that I had had the Driving Assistance Pro package, um, which is their not quite top of the line uh, ADAS package because it doesn't have hands-free capability. Um, so it's a hands-on lane centering system, but it, like the I-4, it does have the auto lane change on demand. So you just tap the turn signal stock um, and sensors will check if it's all clear. It'll You'll feel the steering wheel turn in your hands, uh, and then it'll do the lane change for you. Um, that, that worked really well. Um, it's got heated and cooled cup holders. Uh, as part of the executive package, I love
2: that. That's so silly, and I love it. <laughs> yeah.
3: um, so you know, if you want to, if you want to keep your big gulp uh, chilled, you know, you just slide it in there, and and it'll keep it cold, or or you can heat it as well. Um, the massaging seats are, of course, are always a nice thing to have. Um, the both the front and second row seats are heated, have heating available, uh, five zone auto climate control. So you have um, the uh, the fronts. Uh, two front zones, two second row zones, and then a third row zone. So those those people that are stuck in the back, um, they they can control their own temperature back there, which is always nice. That's good. Um, yeah, you know, got uh, big twenty two inch black wheels, um, with with big tires, um, all in. You know, this one came to a grand total of one hundred and twenty two thousand five hundred and forty five dollars. Oof. Uh, so not cheap um and uh you know but if you can afford this, you can also afford the gas bill uh, for it um you know with with this kind of performance uh, and size. you know it's not the most fuel efficient vehicle in the world, but it's not bad. Uh, you know it's rated at 16 City, 21 highway, 18 combined. Um, I did uh, quite a bit of highway driving with it um, and actually managed to uh, get um, about 19 overall. Okay, uh, so so not too shabby. Excuse me, not too shabby. That could
2: be uh, worse.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's not- that's better than I did with the Grand Wagoneer. I think. That was <laughs> yeah. 16. It was. It was sixteen. I did a lot of highway, but the Grand Wagoneer was only one hundred and seven thousand dollars.
2: I love uh, it. Well, only. So, so that offsets, you know. So
3: you know, the the fifteen thousand dollars you save buying the car, you can spend that on gas over a couple of years.
2: There you go.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, guesses on the destination charge on the X Seven M Sixty I.
2: 1195 I just
4: up the, I just looked up the Monroni for the Grand Wagoneer so I've got I've got that in my head 2000
3: uh it's Nicole this time it was only
2: 995 Oh wow. Get out. Wow. Oh, actually yeah. no you both no, lose. No, I if, still lose. Yeah, I was cl- I was the lesser loser but we're both losers Tanya. Okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um look well, you know the Not the X7 that, wow. is built in South Carolina it's built um. in BMW's plant in Spartanburg so you know it doesn't doesn't have to, you know, come from overseas or anything like that. Um, uh, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, they do ship the engines and transmissions over. But, uh, you know, I think that BMW just figures, you know, we're just going to be upfront about it. You're going to pay a lot for this car. You know, <laughs> we don't have to hide the price increases in the in the destination charge.
4: Well, I was just going to say the Grand Wagoneer is a $2,000 destination. I know.
3: Okay. So, Stellantis so has kind of done. been the worst as far as. Jacking up those destination charges, you know, they, yeah. I think that some of the big Rams, the, the Wagoneers are, they're, they're all like two grand.
4: But that's that right. $107,000 includes the $2,000. Yeah.
3: So, so that's the BMW uh X7 M60i in frozen Marina blade Marina Bay blue metallic. So if you're, if you're going to get an X7, I, I definitely recommend that you go for this color. You know, it's 50, it's 5,500 bucks for the paint, but it's worth it.
2: I think you are spending much that for much for a car. Yeah. How much is the paint?
3: The $5,500.
2: Wow. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, but it's but, fancy paint. Like it, 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 it is totally a lot, but at least it's like, not just like some of them. Okay. You want the red that's extra and there's nothing special about the red. At least this is something that's
0: you're genuinely getting something special.
2: Different. You know, sometimes it's just like these colors are regular colors. These are premium and you'll pay an extra $500 or $600, granted way less. But still, it's like, oh, it's just there's nothing really special. This one is like, okay, this is special. That's outrageous. But this is at least special. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, the Baltic gray metallic clear coat exterior paint on the, on the Grand Wagoneer L was only $645.
2: It was a bargain. Yeah. yeah bargain.
3: Cheap at half the price.
2: Cheap at half the price.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh let's continue with uh some of the uh the new stuff that you've been driving. Uh I, I know Nicole has driven both of these. I don't know if you've driven the if you got to drive the new Chevy tracks, Tanya.
2: I didn't know um, No. So
3: so Nicole, tell us about the Chevy Tracks.
2: So the Chevy Tracks, first I have to say I didn't like the old Chevy tracks. I thought the old really? Chevy Tracks, <laughs> I was yeah, right? I know shocking. I thought the cheap. old it was cheap. And that was really all you had to recommend it. So before Chevy's like, cross her name off of this, but wait, I like the new Chevy tracks. I actually like the new Chevy tracks. I think it's a nice little crossover. It is, I can't believe I'm gonna say this about a tracks, but I think it might be like my favorite of the Chevy's at the moment. I genuinely liked this. I was, I I was going in with so much old tracks in my head. I'm like Ugh. I don't know, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. even, well, this is this is not gonna go well. But it was actually quite good. So they changed how it looks on the outside. It looks a heck of a lot better than it did before. I think it has better styling. It doesn't look dowdy anymore. So it looks better, I like that. I think they did the interior, the interior looks better. It's not, you know, Alcantara seating surfaces and leather and wood, it's not a luxury car. That's not what they're going for. But the trims that they used inside, for a starter, this is their starter vehicle, right? So it's 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 the base. SUV. Yeah, now that the
3: Sonic's gone. It's the cheapest Chevy.
2: Right. So this is your base Chevy. And it's it actually looks really good for a base Chevy. It has nice trims as you move up the little lineup a little bit. They get a little bit fancier, some color details. Again, nothing is going to give you these super premium materials, but it doesn't look cheap. They've used enough color, enough texture, different varieties of materials that it still has a nice interior. Seating is comfortable and it's bigger this year. It got a little bit longer. It got a little bit wider, but they squished it down a little bit. It's I actually think-
3: quite a bit longer. It's like yeah. six or seven inches long. Yeah,
2: so it's longer, wider, but shorter in heights, but still not so sure that like Robbie, our Robbie test, he would probably be okay. Definitely in the front seat, I think also probably in the rear seats too. But that extra space made this feel significantly bigger. Like the it's like one of those, okay, it's six inches bigger, but it feels a foot bigger. Like it genuinely feels larger inside. Most of that was in the rear seat room. They gave you much more leg room. So if you're a rear seat passenger, you're no longer going to have your knees pushing right into the back seat, especially if someone's pushed those seats far. Like if the driver's tall, you can still sit someone behind them without their knees being mashed. Um, and it's not the world's most powerful engine. And that's where people are kind of ripping on it. Like, oh, this does not have performance. This zero to 60 is not impressive. This is not quick off the line. Correct. But that's not what this car is. This is a starter car. This is a base level crossover. It's for someone who has a modest budget or simply just doesn't want to spend a ton of money on a vehicle. They're not looking for a performance car. If they're looking for that, they're going somewhere else up the lineup. This is not what that person is. And I feel like it's sort of unfair to the tracks to say, oh, the performance is not amazing. Of course it's not amazing. That's not what this car is, but the performance is still solid. It accelerates well. It's not overly noisy. If you're trying to get onto the highway, you're not going to feel like the cars behind you are suddenly right up on you because you couldn't accelerate fast enough. It handles well. Um, So I think as a package, like looking at the tracks as a package, I think they did a phenomenal job with this i think it's really really good and i think chevy deserves a lot of credit for sort of taking the things that really stunk about the old one the design was lackluster the interior felt cheap it wasn't fun to drive taking those things like okay guys we got fixed this and i feel like they fixed it what's That's- the starting price on that again i gotta pull 20, it
3: up 20
2: dollars 20, so
4: 20- that is actually General Motors' cheapest car. Is it yeah. really? Not yeah. just Chevy's, because I just did a Buick and Vista story, which, and that's going to start at $23,495. That's like the next, the next cheapest.
2: General and this, and as, as I recall, I think all, there's an, every trim in this lineup starts at over tw- at $25,000. So and- even if you move to the top of the tracks lineup, you were still keeping it under $25,000, which is, that's a big deal. This is the base. This is a base vehicle, not just a base trim, base vehicle in a lineup. It what's, shouldn't be, a, you know.
4: What's the horsepower? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't have it off the top uh, of my head.
3: I think it's somewhere around a 135 or 140.
4: It's All right, like that's the, the Invista is 136 horsepower. Oh, it's, okay.
3: Then it's the same because it, yeah. I mean, it's the same 1.3 liter. It's the same 1.3 It's a turbo.
2: Yep. Oh, it's same. a 1.2 liter 1.2,
3: turbo. 1.2, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So
2: it's, so it's no, not like it is not a performance car. And that's what I kept hearing people saying was we were talking about it at the program they're knocking it for the engine. Well, do you want to spend more? Then you can get a better engine. If you don't want to spend more, if you need a solid, reliable, does all those things but you don't have a ton of money, then you're getting a base engine that but still it doesn't it it doesn't feel like a cheapy economy car. And 30 miles per gallon combined, which is pretty good. And again, this is someone who is on a budget. So that fuel yeah. economy, that is a person who's really looking at fuel economy, really needs that fuel economy to be good needs that fuel economy to help them stay on budget. They can't have something that's, you know, drinking gas in big gulps. They need something that sips. And yeah, that's I mean, if, what if, this if
3: you're, you know, if you're looking to buy, you know, a, a new car you know, and you're, you're on a budget uh, you want something new with a warranty uh, that's going to be affordable to buy affordable to own, because it's not going to cost you a huge amount in, in mm-hmm. insurance or, or fuel, um, you know, something like this. Yeah. And, and there's a whole, class of these you know entry level utilities like this one the Nissan Kicks the Kona Ven, the Hyundai venue um you know even even the um you know the Impreza uh you know and it's funny looking at the the new tracks in profile looking at the the um the Chevy website the consumer website and you know when you're going through and selecting you know which vehicle you're interested in mm-hmm. um you know you see the the tracks the new tracks and the Trailblazer, and you know, it, it used to be that the old Trax was considerably shorter than the Trailblazer. The Trailblazer was the next step up from the from the Trax, um, and the new Trax is actually longer than the Trailblazer, but it, like you said, it's considerably lower, and its profile looks a lot more, in, in some respects, like something like the Impreza wagon or the Impreza mm-hmm. Hatch you yep. know, or, you know, like a, like a small station wagon, which I like, I, I think it's a great shape. You know, it's, right. it's a very practical uh, shape. You know, it looks sleek, you know, it's obviously a lot sleeker, you know, the old one you mentioned, you called it Dowdy, I think, it was. Uh, you know, cause it was kind of tall and narrow, it was you know, just it had weird, not... propor- it had odd proportions. I... Um,
4: yeah.
3: This, this has much better proportions. Yeah. Um. You know, it's, it's an attractive vehicle. Um, you know, like a lot, you know, aside from the the Impreza, uh, which is all-wheel drive only, you know, most of the other vehicles in this segment, you know, these entry-level utilities, um, you know, are front-wheel drive only. There's no all-wheel drive option, and that is kind of the one downside. Right. Uh, if you're interested in this, although you know the um, the Trailblazer is only um, about I think about a thousand dollars more starting price. Um, which, you know, it's, you know, it's uh, like an inch or two shorter than, uh, than the tracks, uh, in overall length, but it's also taller. So it's got more of that traditional SUV kind of proportion to it. Not, not as weird as the, the, the old tracks was, uh, but it's, um, you know, it, it, it's still quite affordable and it does, you can add all wheel drive to the trailblazer. And And I feel like
2: that's if you want, that's exactly what the people who are going to go to the trailblazer. And I kind of think not putting that on the tracks is like the reason to go to the trailblazer. Like you're an all wheel drive person. Okay, if we need that, you got to go up one. one. You want the
3: cheapest Chevy, you get the tracks. Right. You, if you, if you feel like you need all wheel drive, you can step up to the trailblazer trail blazer. and it's that, not that much more expensive.
2: Right. And I feel like that's the big differentiator between there's other things obviously, but that's a big differentiator. If you want that all wheel drive, you got to go up one step. You're going to pay a little bit more for it. But if you're just like, I just got to get something, you know, I just need a base car. I need a good solid car. This, that's what the tracks is. And it just, it, it's just such a more well put together package like, I was really impressed. I like truly was looking at it driving. I'm like, I can't believe I like this. I can't believe I like this because I dislike the other one so much.
3: <laughs> well, cool. they did a good uh,
2: job, right? They yeah.
3: did. They I'm, did. I'm, I'm, glad they, I'm glad it sounds like they executed really well on this one.
2: I think uh, they executed well. I think people that pick on the powertrain, it's like, I get it, guys.
3: You're not going to win
2: races, but the, that's not what this car is about.
3: You know, zero to six, I, I looked it up. This thing will do 0 to 60 in eight seconds. 0 to 60 in eight seconds is actually not that it's slow. Not,
2: right? It's not like it's gotten a 3.2. It's, right? yeah. it's
3: spoiled. It's
2: just it. It's like, okay, it's the, like, guys, it's fine. Most people are going to be totally fine with that acceleration. You you're, know? you're exactly
3: right, Tanya. We have gotten spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't, you know, eight seconds, 0 to 60 in eight seconds, you will have no problem at all. Accelerating up to merge onto a freeway, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's, you know, I've, I've owned vehicles that went, you know, zero to 60 and, you know, much closer to, you know, 15 or 16 Mm -hmm. seconds. Yeah. And those definitely feel a lot slower than this, you know, so eight seconds, you know, is not bad at all. I mean, it's, it's very usable. And, you know, this is the, the, the little 1.2 liter three cylinder turbo which actually has pretty good low end torque, you know, so driving around town, you know, it, it's very drivable. And I, I personally, I really like the, the kind of little growling sound you get from these three cylinder turbos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of fun. It uh, is you know, kind of fun. It's characteristic of three cylinder engines and uh, you know, it, it works well, you know, in something like this, or, you know, the one that Ford has in the escape or, uh, you know, the BMWs or the minis, uh, you know, the current generation minis use a three cylinder turbo, you know, it's a, that's a nice little package.
2: Yeah. I'm pleased with it. I hope it does well for them because I think people need to, if people were poo-pooing it, they need to give the new one a chance because it's, it's very different.
3: All right. um, Let's see. Um, Okay. Let's shift over to uh, some electric stuff for a few minutes.
2: Electric stuff.
3: So, you know, We've all, you know, we've heard all the rumors about an electric Corvette coming in the next few years. You know, there's a hybrid one that just launched. Um, but um, apparently um, there was an electric Corvette built back in 1994. You know, back before there was an EV1. Um, some uh, There's a pretty cool three-part series on uh, the drive uh, about this. Uh, the car was rediscovered relatively recently, I think sometime last year. Um, and it's a it's a 1987 Corvette convertible, so it's a C4 generation that um some engineers from Motorola uh back in the early 90s were working on EV stuff. You know, they were looking at you know electric motors and power electronics, uh, because you know Motorola did a lot of stuff with uh vehicle electronics uh chips. Uh you know, they they designed and built their own chips. Um that that business was eventually spun off and it's now part of NXP. Um, but Um, the, the culmination of their EV efforts was this, uh, this electric Corvette that they did, which actually, um, you know, given the time, uh, you know, this was, this was, this was, you know, 1994, you know, before lithium battery, lithium ion batteries were a thing for EVs. Uh, you know, this was a decade before the original Tesla Roadster. Um, and, you know, they originally built it with, um, with lead acid batteries and, then they experimented with nickel cadmium batteries. And this thing had some pretty impressive performance. Um, what do you What do you think of this? Did you have a chance to look at this story?
2: I'm looking through it. Well, I think my favorite part of this story is this wasn't some big, like, we're going to take a big investment in this and we'll see what kind of electric vehicle we can build. The folks at GM, it's like a bunch of engineers are like, guys, 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 I bet we can do this. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's the most engineering. It was
3: like, I think, five people.
2: Yeah, it was a really small, small crew of people that just kind of were like, okay, well, let's see. Let's see if we start pulling things apart and putting them back together again, what we come up with. That's kind of just that part of the story alone is brilliant. And like you said, this is not, this is not a, a today's electric vehicle, but dang, this is pretty amazing considering what they had to work with the time that they were in and that they weren't, they weren't here with a ginormous, huge budget and a huge team behind them. And They built this.
4: Yeah. It's really well written. So I, when I started reading it, I saw it was a three-part series. I kind of rolled my eyes, but but Kevin Williams is a great writer. He's a cool guy, and and it's fascinating, like what they went through to do this, and and just you know how they did it on a shoestring, basically. Mm-hmm. And what they came up with was, was remarkable. And it kind of makes me wonder why was there such a lag in between this vehicle? And when we actually started driving electric vehicles, I feel
2: like people just were still kind of sort of not ready. I mean, you're ready. I'm ready. Sam's ready. But you think that the public at large only kind of sort of ready to have electric vehicles, you know?
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, to be fair at, at the time, you know, the batteries that they had available to them were still pretty limited. So, you know, this Corvette, I think had a range of you know, eighty-five, miles, 85 miles. Yeah, yeah. which is not not, that
2: would much. not fly. <laughs> yeah, For super um, heavy battery.
3: But you know, if you took this thing and you know just put some modern batteries in it today and hook those up to the the power electronics and the and the motors that they had in there, uh, you know, they could probably have a two hundred and fifty mile electric Corvette just by swapping out the batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people. Uh, you know, a lot of people might be interested in you know, this, you know, owners of of older Corvettes. You know, if they offered that as a kit, it's like, oh yeah, that that could be fun. You know, especially since it would probably be quite a bit faster than um, than what they you know what those Corvettes are with the V8s that they had at the time. You know, I mean, the the V8 engines that were in these things, you know, back in the late '80s, early '90s were only about 250, maybe 275 horsepower uh, mm-hmm. from that 350 V8. Um, and, you know, with, with this, you know, with an electric powertrain there, it could probably do quite a bit fast. It could be quite a bit faster.
2: Yeah. Might it's even amazing.
3: be, might even beat the new tracks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Poor little tracks. First we sing its praises and now we like already thrown it under the bus.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of electric conversions, you know, there's there's been a number of companies over the years um, that have built conversion kits uh, for a variety of vehicles, and there's some vehicles that are quite popular for doing EV conversions. Um, a lot of people, uh, owners of old 911s and Porsche 911s and 912s, especially 912s uh, with the four-cylinder engine, um, have been doing electric conversions on those over the years. Uh, VW Beetles are a common platform Mm. for this. Um, And there's a a company in the UK called Electrogenic um, that makes kits for several different uh, vehicles, um, including uh, a couple of Jaguars, I think. Um, But uh, they have just launched a kit, uh, an EV conversion kit for the classic minis. Um, you know so you can buy a brand new mini SE uh, mini mm-hmm. Cooper se uh which gets I think like 105 110 miles of range um but if you've got one of these classic minis you know back when minis were actually you know mini um <laughs> <laughs> you can you can get this kit uh for about fifteen thousand pounds which I think is uh around 18 or nineteen thousand dollars now yeah um and convert it to electric with an 80 mile range. Uh, which is pretty cool.
2: It's fun. I think it's a fun thing to do in a classic car. And if I look, there's actually, <clears throat> excuse me, you can get an extended range version, which adds ex- a second battery. And I love it. Second battery inside the boot, which is coming at a later date. <laughs> so we'll take up every ounce of available space <laughs> in this little vehicle.
3: <laughs> yeah. Which, which there isn't much of.
2: There isn't much uh, of. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Some of the other cars that they've, that Electrogenic has kits for. Are the uh, Porsche 356, um, the old uh, uh, traditional Land Rover Defenders, the Jaguar E Type, and the Citroen DS? Um, an electric DS would be really cool. Uh, that would be cool. Yeah. A- any thoughts on this one, Tanya? Yet you, you, know, you want to convert your uh, your uh, Equinox?
4: And uh, no, well, you know, actually, it probably would be a better, better uh, source of power than what I'm currently dealing with. But anyway, yeah, you know, I think it's wonderful because I, you don't want to see those little vehicles disappear completely. And it's like, if this is a way we can take them forward and, and make them cleaner and greener and, and you know, still functional, even, probably more
2: functional, like you said, then
4: it's cool. Yeah.
2: This is actually going to make this, I'm just double checking the numbers here. So it was 60 horsepower in the original vehicle and now it'll be wait a minute oh no it's 60 now and it was only 34 so it's like doubling the horsepower yeah. and doubling the torque <laughs> the original number is 34 horsepower Can you pounds you
3: know, you know what I'd really like to see I'd like to see Robbie try and fold himself into one of those classic <laughs> minis
2: he wouldn't be able to do it we'd have to have like emergency crews and a chiropractor on standby <laughs> to both extricate him <laughs> and help him stand up straight again <laughs>
3: Uh, all right, well, let's stick with electric minis. You know, I mentioned, you know, the current mini, uh, EV have, have, have either or both of you driven the current mini electric.
2: I did I, drive. I did. It's been a little while, but I did drive one of them. Yes. I did drive the, I think it was the electric. They don't have a plug in hybrid. They just have the straight up electric, right?
3: Yeah. They've got the, yeah. the countryman is a plug in hybrid.
2: I may have, it may have been the plug in hybrid that I drove. So I take that back.
3: What What about you, Tanya?
2: I drove, I can't remember now which one I drove,
4: but I drove one of them on mini takes the States. Okay. Uh, last year. So I think it might've been the plug-in hybrid actually. Yeah.
3: Well, there's a new generation mini. The the current one, you know, it's been around, been with us for a few years. There's an all new generation mini coming later this year. And as BMWs want to do, they, you know, they've started teasing it out you know, releasing some, a few specs here and there and some, some photos of it, you know, testing with, uh, with camouflage on. Um, And so they, this week, they released some images of the the new mini. Uh, Apparently um the uh the current uh Mini Cooper SE um has now has sold over 43,000 units of that.
2: That's a uh, lot.
3: Yeah, they had a 25% increase in sales in 2022.
2: That's uh, a it, huge 25% increase. That's that's something.
3: Yeah, it's now the most popular variant of the Mini. Um wow. and you know, that's with you know barely over 100 miles of range. Yeah, you know, but it still drives like a mini. It's still a lot of fun to drive.
2: It's still a fun little mini, yeah. The
3: the the new mini, the the you know the three door mini hardtop, um, is I believe going to be electric only. There's no not going to be a gas version of the new mini, um, and uh, it's coming out later this year, um, and it's going to be available with two different sizes of batteries: uh, a forty point seven kilowatt hour battery uh, for the Cooper E. And the Cooper SE gets a 54.2 kilowatt hour battery. And I don't think they've said what the range they
2: is. They gave going it to be. in kilometers. It says the new models get a predicted uh, range of oh, 300, 300 to 400, 400 kilometers. Kilometer, yeah. So, kilometers, so, kilometers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's
3: <laughs> um, so the, the the base model you know, is probably going to be somewhere around 180, 190 miles of range. Um, and then the the top end model will probably be somewhere around 250. So the SE will be around 250, um, which is pretty impressive. Uh, that's a big
2: know, increase. Considering, considering how, how small
3: this thing is. How
2: tiny is it? And also, if they have saw a 25% increase in their sales with the other one, with the limited range that that had, imagine what this is going to do, where you now have very usable range. Like you're you're now competitive, like oh, the smaller range is smaller, but that the SE with that sort of extended range battery, that's super competitive with what other companies are offering. Imagine well, get- once...
3: You get 160 kilowatts power, which is about 220 horsepower. So,
2: yeah, that's going to be a hoot to drive.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I could I could definitely go for one of these. I could go for one of those.
2: And I okay, And this sounds silly, but, you know, the image that they have there that is in the um, had her image in this with the camouflage, it's like pink and purple and green. <laughs> I actually love those colors. I just want it just like that. Can they sell me one camo just like that? That yeah, looks very cool. cool. Clearly, very cool color combination. It looks like weirdly, it looks like an on purpose art car, not like something yeah. you were trying to camouflage.
3: <laughs> yeah, that, that is fun. Um, all right. Uh, well, looking forward to trying that one out. All right. Um, let's see one one more EV story um before we get to uh uh the last one here uh which is Lordstown Motors um have, have either of you driven the uh, the Lordstown Endurance?
2: Yeah. I did. So it was eligible for the North American Car and Truck of the Year last year. It was one of the truck contenders. So they did have it available for us to drive at our sort of like fall test days where we drive the the semi finalists, a semi-finalist I guess. Um yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Can sound you share your thoughts about that? <laughs> um, it was not. It was not great. The thing is that it's, it's the driving it. I guess is is fine. Like in terms of just straight up driving, it's 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 got power and it and it you know and it it there's nothing about like the powertrain that's bad. You know, and the handling is is okay. But the quality, the interior, the material, it is not great. The inside, it feels, it felt. I was driving a production vehicle and it felt, I know you guys have probably driven both of you prototypes at some point mm-hmm. that where it's like, or even if it's not a prototype, it's like a pre production, I guess is the word I'm looking for. It's like a pre production. So you sit down, and you're like, oh, that is clearly not the plastic that is going to be in the one consumers get, or that's clearly not the right trim piece or that fit and finish there. That's not how this is going to look. And it's a Toyota. So you're absolutely right. You know what I mean? It looks better when you get the finished product. It had a very pre-production feel to it, even though it wasn't, which is it's like $65,000. Right. And I, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what kind of like for the price to look at, if this was a bargain price, I might feel differently. Right. But it's like, you look at you're like for what you're selling this for and for it, it just didn't, it really didn't impress it. And it, you know, and it was done. It was what it was going to be. It looks cool on the outside. The exterior looks pretty funky. Yeah, it's not a bad design. The design on the outside is great. Even the design, I guess on the inside, isn't bad, but in terms of just, would you want to spend any time in that vehicle? The answer is no, it just is not comfortable enough. It's not attractive enough. It feels, it feels sort of unfinished. It feels very, very work truck, I guess, inside just, Sorry, Lordstown. <laughs>
3: would would it be fair to say that the only reason why the the uh, the Lordstown Endurance was a finalist for the uh, North American Truck of the Year award this year was because they needed three finalists and there were only three trucks that were launched last year, uh, oh, including the the Endurance.
2: I think it's fair to say that if there were additional trucks, this probably wouldn't have made it. How's that? Is that the most politic answer I could give to that question? Yeah,
3: (laughs) definitely. I I was, I was supposed to, you know, I'd been in touch with one of their PR people and we're supposed to have uh, an opportunity to drive it back in February, then in March, uh, both of which got canceled at the last minute. um, You know, and uh, I'm frankly not surprised, uh, you know, so earlier this week I was uh, did an interview with a, a Cleveland TV station, um, cause some news came out. So just a little backstory on Lordstown motors, for those who, who don't remember, um, this was a company that was created in 2018, uh, by Steve Burns, who had been the founder of Workhorse group, another company, which was trying to do electric delivery vans. Um, he left Workhorse, Workhorse had been working on a pickup truck. Uh, he left Workhorse, started Lordstown um, right after GM announced that they were shutting down their Lordstown, Ohio assembly plant. And they were getting a lot of political grief from the uh, former president at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in order to basically try to silence him, um, they said, look, you know, if anybody wants this factory, I mean, we don't need the capacity right now. If somebody wants it, you can have it. And they, effectively paid Steve Burns to take the factory because, you know, he started Lordstown Motors with essentially no funding and um, GM loaned him $75 million uh 20 of which was meant to pay GM back for the factory uh, <laughs> and then, you know, have some working capital. And then when Lorstown ultimately did go public through a SPAC transaction in 2021, um, you know, GM's, the, the money that GM was owned was converted to equity, which they have since sold off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Lorestown struggled to, to get this thing done. Um, you know, they basically ran out of money. They agreed to sell the factory on to uh, Foxconn. Uh, maker of iPhones and all kinds of other stuff. Um, and, and, you know, Foxconn wanted the factory because they have a deal with Fisker to build Fisker's second product, the, the, the pair next year. And so they wanted the factory for that. Um, and so, um, you know, they paid Lordstown like 270 million, I think, for the factory, uh, which is a pittance. Uh, mm-hmm. for you know considering you know this was a fully fully equipped factory. Um, and that gave Forestown a little more runway, which they've now pretty much burned through. Run out. Um, and you know, their stock prices at I don't know, I think less than 20 cents a share. Um, and they're in danger of being delisted from the from the Nasdaq. Um, and you know, Foxconn had agreed to invest some more money. Uh, but you know, that, I guess one of the criteria was, you know, that they had to remain publicly listed, uh, and with that likely not going anywhere, you know, Foxconn is in no mood to give Lorestown any more money. Lorestown, I think has built, they, I think they said they've built something like 31 trucks. Um, yeah, 30, and, 31. And, yeah. and delivered something like three of them, uh, before the end of 2022. Um, Yikes. yeah. Um, and I think their total revenue last year was like less than $200,000. Yeah.
2: It's just, yeah. you know, with the hard it's and it, it's like, I really don't want to see any car company fail, like regardless of the cut, like, because in the end, that company is a bunch of people. There's right. a bunch of people working there. And there's engineers who put an incredible amount of time into that vehicle and designers and, and everybody puts any vehicle, it's not an easy thing for as an established company to do, much less for one that's trying to do a startup. And I feel bad for the people that put their heart and soul into this. I want to see every company succeed. And even when I was driving this, they had um, people there from Lordstown, like engineers that were so passionate about it. And even then, that was last October. So time has passed, right? Things looked a little bit better for them surviving back in October. And I'm like, I keep thinking about this one guy. I'm like, Oh, he's watching a sort of like passion project. Just. Evaporate. Evaporate. Yeah. Which is just, I, yeah, I would like to see them all succeed. Like, Oh gosh, please don't fail. You guys are working so hard. So it's, it's sad to me to see that they have not managed to pull it off. It's
3: Uh, You know, I mean the the problem for Lordstown is they were targeting the commercial truck market, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's a tough market. You know, it's a big market. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's also dominated by Ford, General Motors and to a lesser degree Stellantis. Right. Um, you know, Ford is like 40% market share in commercial pickups. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know, Lordstown has an unproven product that costs more, has less range and less payload than an F150 Lightning. No um dealer, you know, no product support network. You know, Ford's got thousands of dealers. You know, yeah. If you're if you got a business, you know, you rely on these vehicles to get your job done, to to get your to make your revenue. If there's something that's not working, um, you know, you need it fixed like yesterday, right? And, um, you know, that's not something Worstown was going to be able to deliver.
2: You can't uh, afford downtime yeah. with commercial trucks. It's hard enough when your personal vehicle's down, when a commercial vehicle is down. That means you're not servicing customers. You're not getting work. I mean, you're you're really truly burning through cash every minute that your commercial truck is not doing whatever it's supposed to be doing. You know, and that's a huge risk to take. That's a huge risk for a business to take, especially for smaller
3: businesses, which you know, in terms of, you know, it, it's a significant portion of that overall market.
2: Right. Yeah. And small businesses that might have been able to. Say, like, you know, because you're gonna buy a fleet of vehicles, you're really taking a gamble, buying a hunt, you know, hundred or whatever, Lord's ten endurances. But if you're a smaller business, and you want to take advantage of this, you're gonna buy those one or two trucks. If you only have a couple of trucks and you lose one, you just have your ability to do business. That's 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 so hard for a small business to take that gamble. Yeah.
4: Well, and if it means anything, I'm I'm just looking at their Twitter account. They've they've pretty much gone silent. They haven't tweeted since April 20th. So
2: yeah. They, I mean, it's, it's, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it sucks when, you know, a, an interesting startup doesn't make it, but it's also the reality that it most is. businesses of any kind, you know, whether, especially automakers, you know, getting the auto make, the auto business is a tough business, but you know, any business, most startups fail.
2: Yeah. So Right. Most new businesses don't make it. The ones that make it, it's like it's such a small percentage of the ones that make it. So yeah, it's. But I'm. I was sad to see them fail. They were just so passionate about it. It. It makes me sad. Yeah. But.
3: All right. Last item: uh, an Acura NSX trailer. Um. <laughs> did. did uh, well, first of all, you're you're both familiar with the one lap of America, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's been going on since what the mid '80s, I think. When it's they been first a long
2: time. It. Yeah.
3: Um, and, uh, you know, it was kind of a, kind of a, a more civilized offshoot of the, uh, the cannonball runs and, uh, it's, it's still going on. Um, and, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, automakers will put together, you know, something special to, to run in the one lap, you know, or they'll take a prototype and, and run it. Um, and, uh, this year for the one lap, um, some engineers from Acura, um, are going to um, tackle the one lap of America uh, with an Acura NSX, or more, more, more precisely, one and a half Acura NSXs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a thirty two hundred mile road rally um, that actually is going on right now as we record this. It uh, started uh, yesterday.
2: And uh, it May sixth. Yeah, and it's 15 states. Is that what I'm seeing here? Uh, yeah, events. I think so. With track events, it's, just sort of, it's one of the more challenging grassroots motorsports. 38th running of this. And it starts and ends at the tire rack headquarters in South Bend, Indiana, which is a really cool place. I've been there. 15 states, timed track events at some of the greatest motorsports, so like Road Atlanta and Brasselton, Georgia, and Nashville Super Speedway. So it has events. It's not just drive. There's actual events within the drive. So it's a it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah,
3: and the the half of an NSX that I mentioned um comes from the fact that, you know, as you may be aware, the um the NSX doesn't have a whole lot of room to carry your stuff.
2: No, it does not.
3: Um, yeah, I mean there's no room for a spare tire or, or anything else.
2: Bah, who uh, needs spare tires? Yeah. It's yeah. Been uh,
3: so yeah. um this NSX is set up with a trailer hitch and it has a trailer that they <laughs> These guys built up from the back half of an NSX development mule. Um, So they they sliced the body in half at the B pillar, uh, took the back half, um, finished off the interior. They're using it to carry spare tires and assorted other gear that they may need along the way.
2: You know how we mentioned a minute ago with the electric vehicle the corvette it was built and how engineers just have at it I feel like this is another case of engineers guys 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 look what we could do with this yeah. and they just did this we, we, a bunch of engineers yeah.
3: We got this development car sitting outside in the back it's going to be going to the crusher anyway. Right. Let's- Let's cut it in half and make it let's, into a trailer.
2: Let's chop it in half and make it into a trailer. You can't do that. Yeah, we can. Boom. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Our listeners
4: really need to Google one and a half accurate NSX you, and actually see yeah, the picture.
2: You have to I'll, see this. I'll have a link this.
3: In the in the in the show notes.
2: It's fabulous. Like yeah. engineers. I love engineers. Engineers are the best. Like a normal human would have been like, well, I'm going to put an actual trailer in the back. They're Like, no, we're going to lop a car in half and put that on the back as a trailer. Thank you, engineers, for
4: existing. <laughs> and, did, and did you notice, Sam, that the the, the whole NSX is, is actually orange? Yeah.
3: Yes, it is. Well, it is orange. It's it orange it. with some black.
2: Little black. Like yeah, black, black checkerboard the sort of pattern. The half of an NSX is black. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it blends. See, yeah. that's the design aesthetic. Orange to it's black. Like, it's that gradient and then, from
3: orange to black. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's, that's one, <laughs> like one giant line of car. <laughs>
3: yeah. No, this is cool. I, I love this. Yeah. And this is, you know, it's, uh, some of the, uh, some of the crew from, uh, heart, which is Honda American racing team, uh, which is, you know, a long running team. Uh, it's based, it's populated by, uh, Honda engineers, um, that has been competing in all kinds of events for ooh, at least going back to the early nineties, maybe longer. Um, and uh, they're, yeah, they they take some of the things that they learned doing their development and applying it to their their race cars and then go out and race on the weekends. So this is fun. I, I like this.
2: I love that they're doing this. I think it's fun. I think it's very cool.
4: <laughs> it's, it's <an laughs> I want to see stunt, but it's also a marketing
2: stunt. So it it's, is. Yeah. that's the I- both worlds. I want to see pictures of a car that's
3: out of production and no longer available.
2: I want to see pictures of it in action. Like this is a static image of it, you know, on a track. I want to see it. Just I want to see this thing driving along.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully they'll uh, disconnect the trailer before they do the track events, but
2: Probably. It, I, it, probably, but still I just want to see this thing toot along the road, like ho to ho to ho. <laughs> like what's a yeah. person's reaction? You imagine you're just driving your minivan, Tanya, and you see this, you're like, what oh, well, that is That would be that? a tough I'd be like
4: ready to drive off the road. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right. Uh let's answer a couple of listener questions before we wrap it up for this week. Um, we'll start with, uh, Richard DiCarlo, uh, and you referenced this at the top of the show. I
2: did. I'm going to read this one. So Richard DiCarlo said, love your show, but I have a pet peeve. Could you please come prepared to say what publication you write for? We all know you guys write for a lot of them. But when you do it every single week, it almost sounds like you're bragging when you fumble around to say what I'm not bragging really, Richard. It's a matter of me trying to remember what I said the last time I was on the show. And what I said on the last show that I had to say this on, because I have to say it very many places and I haven't said the same thing everywhere, but I say car talk as quickly as possible without a second thought today. I had it written on a notepad. So it's not, it's not, um, it's not trying to brag really. It shouldn't sound like bragging. It should sound like Nicole's brain is scattered, which, is really the more accurate representation (laughs) of what is happening right
4: there i was just gonna say we're just confused we don't yeah
2: uh, yep
3: (laughs) and and when when you're a freelancer your brain does tend to get a little scattered i mean it's just it's the nature of the nature of the job you know yes when when you've got deadlines you know to half a dozen editors at different (laughs) publications it's like, oh, what did i oh which story was i supposed to write for you
2: it is very scattered and so i try to and what i try to do is i try to dole out like references to all of them Like, okay, I said this when I talked to these people and I said that when I talked to these people and I referenced that and that thing. I'm like, who haven't I done in a while? Who haven't I done in a while? That's what I try to do. But I will endeavor to have one ready every week right off the bat, just for you, Richard.
3: (laughs) All right. And finally, uh, from LJ, uh, this also came in by email. And if you want to send us your Questions or comments by email, uh, you can send those to feedback at wheelbearings.media, or you can record them. Uh, We've only had one of those so far, but if you want to record your message or or question um, and then just put that in a Dropbox or OneDrive or wherever you want, if it's small enough, you can just attach it to the email. Send it to us. We will use that in the show. Um, L.J. asks, um, the longtime listener, patron, thank you, L.J., and car enthusiast, uh, I look forward uh, to each week's episode to drop. I'm especially looking forward to hearing your remarks on the Cadillac lyric as teased in last week's show. Sadly, I have nothing new to offer yet on that. I'm still waiting to hear back from Cadillac on that question. Uh, But since it wasn't brought up in yesterday's show, uh, which was last week's show, uh, I would have to assume that your contact at Cadillac hasn't gotten back to you yet. That is correct. (laughs) Um, I don't feel that's. I don't find that surprising as GM seems to be tightly curating the narrative surrounding this rollout. There has been precious little new information since the press event last summer in Park City. Um, if you do ever get to evaluate a lyric, one option I'm interested, particularly interested in hearing about, no pun intended, is the noise canceling. A freakish escape room accident, incident, coupled with years of playing in a band that refused to use in-ear monitors, has left me with uh, hearing loss and tinnitus. Um, in particular, the tire noise on certain road surfaces makes it next to impossible for me to follow a conversation. It would be in, it would also be interesting hearing anything about the mythical all-wheel drive version. As I understand it, if the noise cancelling comes with the upgraded sound system, which is packaged with the Super Cruise as part of the Level 2 upgrade, Uh, since I like to drive, I don't really want Super Cruise and probably wouldn't pay $20 a month for it after the initial period. Um, Like last week's letter writer, I am a deposit-paying, pre-order-holding, prospective Lyric owner. Um, Super Cruise and sound cancelling were part of the bait, I mean, a uh, launch version, uh, but are a four to $5,000 extra option. Now, similarly, there has been precious little information as, as to if and when my pre-ordered all-wheel drive will be scheduled and or built, excuse me, and what the price of that car might be. Um, at any rate, thanks for a great show. So, Larry, um, what I have heard um, is that um, the, uh, the production rate of Lyric is accelerating. Uh, part of the reason w- for the very slow rollout has been limited availability of the batteries. Uh, they had a fairly slow production ramp up at the Lordstown battery plant, um, which when GM closed the aforementioned Lordstown assembly plant, they built a new battery plant uh, just down the road from there. Um, and it that started production last late summer, I think. And it's had a very slow, excruciatingly slow ramp up, which is also why they've had a hard time building Hummers and and other stuff. Uh, But that apparently is getting under control. They're ramping up that production. uh, And they will also soon be starting production sometime a little later this year at another plant in Spring Hill, Tennessee, which also happens to be next door to where they build the lyric. Um, So supposedly when the second quarter numbers, I think first quarter they delivered just shy of a thousand lyrics um, when the second quarter numbers come out um at the beginning of July, um the the volumes for the lyric should be up significantly. Um right now, as you mentioned, they're still just building rear drive versions. The all-wheel drives, uh, I don't think are scheduled to be built until late summer, early fall, uh, at the earliest. <clears throat> so that's probably the soonest that you would would probably get one. Um noise canceling. Um Yeah, I don't think noise cancelling is actually part of any package. It's on most hybrids and EVs, noise cancelling is actually a standard feature um, because, you know, they they do, you know, when you take away the engine from a vehicle and replace it with an electric powertrain, all of a sudden, all the other noises that happen in a car become much more apparent. And so – I I suspect that the noise canceling will be there regardless of what other options you may or may not choose. Um, But I don't I can't say that for certain on the lyric. I will I will ask that I will follow up with Cadillac and and check on that as well.
2: I can say and I I don't know about the noise canceling, you know, to what Sam said on that stands, but I did drive the lyric. Um, because it was a contender for North American car and truck the Year once again. So I had a very brief drive in it um, when we were evaluating that. And I was sitting here trying to think if it was, I know, I don't know if it had specifically had noise canceling. I don't know if that's standard, but it was, I did find it exceptionally quiet because what Sam said is true. You do notice every other noise that you suddenly never heard before you hear once, you're driving such a quiet car to begin with. You know, once you go with a battery car, everything else sounds very loud. And I was, I found it relatively quiet and it was raining, as I recall, for part of the time that we were driving it, it was not great weather. So um, I did find it a quiet car. And I'm really now wondering if the one I had had that. I wish I knew for sure.
4: Actually, yes, there is. I just Googled it and found that there is noise. There is active noise canceling. It's it's a, a unique material called, I can't pronounce this, Vidini AVS, which is made by Ascend Performance Materials in Houston. And it's being used by the Lyric.
2: Oh, I see. Yep. I see your link. Yeah. Yeah. Vidine? Vidine? Yeah. I don't know how you say that. Fancy AVS material. Yeah. That Tanya has found um, can reduce cabin pressure sound pressure by 80%. Limited road noise while not sacrificing safety. Yeah, I didn't, I found it a very quiet ride. So I it, yeah. even given like compared to other EVs because EVs, you know, you don't have the engine noise. But so I'd be curious to see what you think, Sam, when and if you finally get one.
3: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, this material, this is actually part of the passive noise canceling system, you know, because- the, the distinction between active and passive noise canceling, um, you know, passive is things like sound deadening materials that are right. on a lot of vehicles. Mo- all vehicles have some degree of sound deadening materials, except for probably my Miata, um, which, <laughs> you know, anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, this is a new material. You know, one of the challenges with putting sound deadening materials in there is it tends to add a lot of weight. Uh, they tend to be fairly heavy. Um, yeah you because know, it's basically like a a type of insulation you know meant to dampen vibrations and and keep noise out of the cabin and it's a it's a good thing you know something like this um you know the active noise cancellation is where you have like like active noise cancelling headphones mm-hmm. you know there's a microphone that's looking that's listening at the ambient sound and generating uh opposite sound waves using the audio system to cancel those out um and as I said, almost all EVs and hybrids, have some form of active noise canceling built in there uh, to cancel out, you know, some of those particular frequencies that can be particular and that can be especially annoying um, like, you know, road noise, you know, tire noise. So my guess is that, um, you know, you should be much more comfortable in this car, given your your hearing challenges uh, than you would be in a lot of other vehicles. Uh, But I will, I will endeavor to follow up with Cadillac on that. All right. Any other final thoughts before we wrap it up for this I don't week? I think
2: so. I think that covers it. Thank you for being on the show, Tanya. It was nice to have yeah. two ladies for a change. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Grab Tanya. Me to talk Subaru. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we'll see you again somewhere soon. And everybody else, we will talk to you next week.
2: Bye, Bye. everyone.